Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? I know what you're thinking. Somebody stole my voice and they traded out with this one, or I'm sounding a little different today. Uh, But hey, I am excited. Today, we are going to start a new series. We're going to start a new series. We're going to be looking at the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah. And we have provided everyone with a little scripture journal like this. We passed these out last week. If you have not received one of these, uh, we have some people who are ready to hook you up. If you need one of these, would you just slip your hand up? We will get one right to you. Hands all over the room. God is moving, y'all. All right. Hey, hey uh, get a book to everybody with those hands up. Uh, there we go. We got a few of them coming out there. Do not want to miss anyone. And so my ask for everybody who has one of these books or is getting one of these books is that you would read the book of Jonah multiple times during this series. Uh, The book of Jonah is so brief that in these little scripture journals, it actually isn't even sold as an individual option, right? Uh, This comes with three other books. This is Jonah, Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk, right? Uh, The book of Jonah in this right here, which you guys can have one of these, it is five pages long. You can do it, right? Hey, I want you to read this book multiple times uh, throughout this series. Read the book of Jonah. You can do it. When we get into God's word, God moves in our lives. When you get into the word for yourself, what happens is you see things you've never seen before. And as you continue to get into the word, you can read the same passage and it will hit you in a totally new way. Because the word of God is alive and powerful and we need to get into the word. And so today I just want us to take a moment to get our hearts ready to receive what God has for us today. If you would put your arms out with your palms up, uh, close your eyes, uh, just, just a posture of surrender. Take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as the air you're breathing. Let's pray. God, today would you guide us closer to you? Help our minds put away the uh, frustrations of this past week, to put away the distractions from the coming week. We want to fully focus on you. Uh, We come empty with nothing to offer but surrender. God, would you fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, move in here today with power. We believe that in advance, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right, we're going to hop in. Jonah 1, 1 and 2. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Uh, The book of Jonah, it's one that's told in kids' classes. It's even referenced by Jesus himself. Uh, This book is named after the prophet Jonah. Uh, But I want to get an important distinction This book is not about Jonah. Jonah is not the main character of this book. Uh, The Lord is. This is a book about God. It says, let's start out that first verse. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. And the message he gave was, go to Nineveh and announce God's judgment against it because they are a wicked people. A little bit about Nineveh, if you don't know, it is the capital city of Assyria at that time. Assyria was this really wicked, completely wicked country. Uh, You can go look at different things that they would do, uh, but they would go and conquer other cities, other areas, and they would completely destroy them. Uh, They would kill women and children. They had uh, one thing that they did, it was particularly brutal. They would kill people. They would get like a large spear, and they would uh, place them on top of this large spear, 
and, and not stop until the spear went through the posterior all the way to the head. So pretty mellow people, you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, these people are pretty uh, wicked. And here's what they would do is they would leave those up uh, as a sign. They wanted to show everyone this is how we deal with people who get in our way. This is really, I mean, truthfully, a wicked country. And they frequently attacked God's people. And so God has this message for Jonah. I, I want to pause here. Jonah's name in the original language in Hebrew, it actually means dove. Uh, he's got... God is going to send a dove to go send this, me- uh, this message of judgment is coming, right? Uh, Jonah's name literally means dove. Dove, go and announce the coming judgment to Nineveh. And Jonah, this dove, he's not exactly thrilled about the message. He does not want to go and proclaim this message of judgment to these people who are wicked, and they don't, they will show you how they deal with people they don't like, right? And so here's what Jonah does. Jonah got up, verse 3, he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. I've got a little uh, map here. It might be a little hard to see, all right? But basically, hey, over here, this is Nineveh, all right? I know it might be hard to read out there. Nineveh, he, this is where, this is Samaria, right? That's Joppa. That's kind of the map, how we went away. And, like, this is the Mediterranean Sea. And, like, right here would be, like, the boot of Italy. And then over here would be, like, Spain, all the way over here. And so Tarshish, uh, where he's trying to go to, it would be in, like, modern-day Spain. And according to many, it's a place of uh, elegance and luxury. So Jonah, he's like, hey, I've got these two options. I can go all the way over here, luxury, elegance, comfort, peace. Or I can go and announce judgment to a wicked people who kill people that get in their way. Right? And so I think Jonah does, if I'm honest, what I think a lot of us do. Uh, He is trying to find refuge far from God, and it doesn't go the way that he expects. Jonah, he's, he's running away from God. He's running away from the message that God has given him, and this is where things start to get a little interesting. This is one of my favorite parts of uh, this story. So he's going to Tarshish. He's going with the people, and while on the ship, a, a great storm happens, and the crew, uh, sailors, uh, you guys think about sailors, you usually think like the best of the best, right? Like, like, up, like just a out, upstanding citizens, right, sailors in this time, right? Uh, and these sailors, they have this huge storm, and, and they're crying out to their gods. They're literally throwing things overboard to save themselves from this storm. And meanwhile, Jonah, he's sleeping in the hold. And they tell Jonah, hey, Jonah, wake up and pray to your God. Maybe, maybe Jonah's God will save us. Does anybody catch the irony of some sailors telling a preacher to pray? That's what's happening here. And these sailors, they're trying to figure out why is this storm going on? What's happening? And so they cast lots. They kind of think about that like rolling dice. And they do this to see who has offended the gods and who's caused this storm. Like they don't know Jesus. They don't know the one true God. They're thinking what gods has been upset for this. And when they do this, they identifies Jonah as the culprit. Uh, side note, I don't think that God is telling us how to solve problems is by rolling dice and rolling with the answers right. But in this instance, God did use the casting of lots to show the crew that, hey, uh, the reason that this storm is upon you is because of Jonah. And so they start asking uh, Jonah some questions. 
Uh, so why has the storm come down on us? Who are you? Uh, what line of work are you in? What country are you from? And in verse 9, Jonah answers him. He says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And it says the sailors were terrified when they heard this. For he had already, Jonah had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. This is how the sailors respond to him. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. I want to go back to verse 9. He answered them. He said, I'm a Hebrew. Emphasis on this. I worship the Lord. I worship the Lord. You know the one who I told you I was, I already told you I was running away from him. I worship him. I can't get over the fact that Jonah says, I worship the Lord while, I am, while he is literally running away from what God has called him to do. It's, it's crazy that he can't even put together, yeah, I worship God, but I'm actually not being obedient to who God has called me to be. I'm not doing what God has called me to do. And so they, they've cast lots. It's identified as Jonah. And they ask Jonah, what should we do to stop this storm? And Jonah's response is, Pretty straightforward. He just like tossed me into the sea. Get rid of me and the problems will go away. And if you know the story and the things that are going to happen, right, you might think, hey, that might seem noble of Jonah. He's going to save these people and God's going to send a way for him to make a way out of this. Uh, but Jonah didn't know what was going to happen. So I want to look at this too. It's the most charitable way to read this passage is that Jonah was going to sacrifice himself for others to survive. Another way to read this passage is that Jonah wanted to run away from God so badly that he would end his own life. I think Jonah was probably somewhere in the middle of those. He, he did not want these sailors to die, and he did not want to follow God and go to Nineveh. How do we fix this? And his answer is, toss me into the sea. And at first, the sailors are just like, no way. They row harder. They're trying to find another way. But they are just getting overwhelmed by the storm. Just imagine the waves coming over. They think they're going to drown. They can't do it. And they cry out to God. These sailors who are not Jesus followers, they, are not, they don't have faith in God. They cry out to God and say, please don't let us die for another man's sins. And they throw Jonah into the sea. And it says, and the storm stopped at once. They throw him into the sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. It says, they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. This group of sailors, they're awestruck by the power of God. Even the wind and the sea obey him. Remember, this isn't a story about Jonah. This is a story about God. And it says this in verse 17. Now the Lord, that's what this is about, God. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. You guys got a lot of questions there. We're going to talk about the great fish and the three, nights, the three days and three nights next week, okay? The story of Jonah is a story of running from God, running from uh, the message God has given you, running from who God has called you to be. And when it comes to our lives, we might not be getting up and moving across the country. We might not have it arranged to be swallowed by a great fish. But the truth is everyone has had moments where they run away from God. We've all been there. He's called us to things that we just we don't want to do. And sometimes God will send a storm our way so that we run 
to him sometimes. The truth that I want you to know is this. You cannot outrun God. You cannot outrun God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the creator of everything. You cannot outrun him. I don't know if you've ever tried to outrun God, but when we try to run away from God, it's going to cost you. Running from God is always going to cost you. In God's economy, it's pretty simple. Obedience to him brings blessings, and disobedience brings consequences. Like I, it's not always going to be that cut and dry, like the, what the blessing is, what the consequence is, but when we follow God, it brings blessings, and when we don't, it brings consequences. We look at Jonah, he runs from God, and then he gets tossed into the sea, and he's probably thinking that when he gets tossed into the sea, that running from God has cost him his life. That's probably what he's thinking right then. But God, he doesn't end Jonah in that moment. He doesn't destroy Jonah. He saves Jonah. He redeems Jonah. He uses the literal storm to bring Jonah back to him. I don't know what's happening in your life right now, but I'd be willing to bet that some people were here right, right now in this moment. You're in the middle of a storm right now. And my question is, is it possible? Is it possible? The storm you're in right now, it has your name on it. That God is using it to bring you back home, to bring you back to him. Now, I want, I want to be clear here, here in this. Not every storm has your name on it. Not every storm is a result of your directions. Like we live in a broken world, sometimes life is just hard. But, but here, is it possible that the storm you find yourself in right now is because God is trying to get your attention? That he wants you to stop running away from him. Whether the storm you're in right now has your name on it or not, I do know this. God will use everything you've gone through, everything you're going through to grow you, to grow you, to mold you, and he will work it out for your good. He will. Uh, don't run from God when you're in the storm. Run to him. He wants to save. He wants to redeem. He wants to restore you. There's so many people who are running from God because they think judgment is coming if they go to him. That's not what's going to happen. And here's what might, I think it might even be even worse, is there are so many Christians who are running away from God and they don't even realize it. It's people who, who don't realize they're running away from God. They might not think I'm running away from God, but it's not that they're running away from God, it's that they're running towards something else. They're running towards comfort, they're running towards a cushy life. I think we all have a tendency, if we're just honest, we run towards pleasure, not towards God. And I wonder how many people out there were simply running to a good time instead of running to Jesus. I want to pause there and say, uh, following, I don't want to hear anybody here that say following Jesus can't be fun. It can and should be a good time to follow King Jesus. But here's what happens. Uh, I think we, sometimes we do the thing that feels good. Like, that was nice. And then we do it again. It could be getting a big check from work. So we become obsessed with work and money. It could be drinking a nice adult beverage that's relaxing and then that turns into a problem you struggle to control. It could be the approval of others you like for others to like you. So you live and you die by their approval. Instead of running to God, we run to things of this world that make us feel good for a split second. And it's gone. 
That's the problem. The problem is that everything the world has to offer you will leave you empty. When you run after the things of the world, it can give you momentary happiness, but it will never give you the joy that is found in Jesus. We have to be intentional about running to Jesus, not to the things of the world. Jonah was running away from really two things. If you go back and look at that, those first few verses, he is running away from first who God had called him to be. He's running away from who God had called him to be. And the second thing, he's running away from the message God has given him. Jonah is literally a prophet. Like he, he's listed as a prophet, right? Like his occupation is to tell others about God, to share what God has told him. And he runs away from who God has called him to be. What do you think about that? He, he runs away from exactly who God has called him to be. I, I don't know exactly who God has called you to be. But I, I do know in a general sense, if you are a Jesus follower, he has given you gifts, abilities. And I want you to hear me on this. I think a lot of times we don't, we don't always believe this. He has given you gifts, abilities, and he has given you influence that is unique to you. And there are places of ministry, there are places of serving others that no one on this planet can do except for you. No one can do but you. Because you are the only you God put on this earth. And we are his sons and daughters. Don't run from that calling. Don't run from the fact that you are a child of the one true king. We need to live like his children. We can't run from it. We need to run towards it. Jonah ran from who God called him to be. And he also ran from the message God gave him. Give him a specific message. I believe that God has given each and everyone here a, a message to share with the world around us. And I think it's unique to us. There's a general message, yes, we need to share the story of Jesus with others. We need to share our faith in that regard. But we also need to share our personal testimony, how God has worked in our lives. To not run from our past, to not hide from our past, to put it into light and say, look at what God has saved me from. Look at how good my God is. And if I just say for myself, if I look back at my life, I can truly say, God has been so good to me and my family. Uh, if I was to share my testimony, I've got one of those, you know, they say, I got a pretty boring testimony. Praise God. I'm so thankful for that boring testimony. I accepted Jesus at a young age, graduated from, from high school, all right, sobriety intact, wasn't, wasn't doing anything super crazy, went to Bible college, got married, all right, been in vocational ministry ever since. Been some bumps along the way. I don't want you thinking everything's been perfect. But as I look back, I can say, God has been so good to me. He's been so good to me. And the message that has always resonated with me, even in, I would say even in, especially in those moments where I've made a mistake, especially in those moments where I haven't done exactly what I knew I needed to do, the message that's always resonated is God wants me to come to him. God, God wants you to come to him. He wants you to come to him with your disaster of a life. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. He wants you to come to him when you mess up big. He wants you to come to him when you have been an absolute idiot. He does not want you to be distant from him. He wants you to be close to him. He desires to be with you, especially in your shortcomings. We are children of God, and when we are hurt, 
He wants to step in and help. And I feel like that is a message God has deeply ingrained onto me. God has a message he has given you. He's given you a testimony. You need to share your faith. You need to be faithful in sharing your story, your testimony to those around you. Your story is unique. It is powerful. It might not be the one you asked for. I get that. But it's the one you got. You need to share it with those around you. Don't run from it. Jonah ran from who God called him to be. He was a prophet. His job was to tell others about it. And then he ran from the message that God gave him. Don't run from who God called you to be. Don't run from the message God has called you to share. And we started our time uh, together by saying that the book of Jonah isn't really a story about Jonah. He's not the main character. The main character is God. What we see throughout this book is that regardless of how hard, I want you to hear me, regardless of how hard Jonah runs away from God, God never stops running after Jonah. Jonah is running the opposite way. He's going as far away as he can, and God never stops running after Jonah. And to go another layer deeper, God is actually running after the hearts of the Ninevites, those wicked and evil people. God never stops running after either one of their hearts. See, even when we run from God, God never stops pursuing us. It says this in Matthew 18, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 and go search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I will tell you the truth. He will rejoice over it more than the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. God is the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go find the one. He goes to search and find the one that is lost. The people that are running away from him, he doesn't want them to run away. They can run as far as they want. He is going to pursue them. Jonah is the one who's running. He's running away from God. But God is running after Jonah. And, and no one can outrun God. You might be thinking, but, but God doesn't know all my problems. God doesn't know how messed up my life is. He doesn't know all of my failures, all of my issues. Friends, hear me on this. God knows every single mistake you've ever made. And it has not once stopped him from pursuing it pursuing after you. It's not one stopped it from coming for you. I think about the story of the prodigal son. Jesus tells us in, in Luke 15, there's a farmer, he's got two sons, younger son says, hey, I want my inheritance now rather than later so I can enjoy it. I don't want this money when I'm old. I want to go live it up now while my body's still good to go. And so he gets his dad to okay this, and as soon as the check hits his bank account, he leaves home. And it says, quote, he wasted his money on wild living. Uh, not only does he go and, and blow his inheritance, uh, but a famine comes over the area, and he is starving. He begs a farmer for a job, and he gets one. And his job is he feeds the pigs, and he's so hungry that even the slop he's feeding to the pigs, it says it looks good to him. And it says this in verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, I will go home to my father. When he finally came to his senses, he said, I will go home to my father. And I'll say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He doesn't even want to come to his father as a son. He's like, hey, I've messed that up. Just let me come be a servant. 
at least the servants to my father have food to eat. He, I want to point out, it says he came to his senses. So he's coming home. And when he gets home, and it says he's a ways out, his father sees him. And his dad doesn't just sit there and think, my foolish son who squandered all my money. He doesn't say, I can't believe he has the guts to show his face around here. It's not how the father responds. He says he's filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. The father gets the finest clothing. He prepares a, a big feast to celebrate. His son who was lost has returned. He ran to go see him. He wasn't upset that he came back. He was excited. Hear me on this. God is running after you. He isn't focused on your mistakes. He isn't focused on your shortcomings. He is focused on you. He is filled with love and compassion towards you. He just wants you to stay near to him. That's what he wants. And when you're far from him, he's not a cold shoulder to you. He doesn't want to be distant. He is always running after you. And he doesn't tire of running after you. His love keeps on running after you. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to ponder this thought. Think about how God's love has been running after you. Just think about your life. Think about the mistakes you've made. Think about, think about the highs. Think about the lows. Think about how God has never, not once, stopped pursuing you. He's not once stopped running after you. And as you look back, can you see the moments where God's love has been chasing you? Hmm. To think about the times where God moved in a miraculous way, where God sent someone to cross your path, where God just did something that meant so much to you in a moment where you needed it. Think about that. God, thank you for how your love has been chasing us. God, that it seeks us when we are lost. God, that you don't focus on our mistakes, you don't focus on our shortcomings, but you are filled with love and compassion towards us. God, let us not run from who you've called us to be. Let us to be your children and to share our faith boldly. Let us not run from the message you've called us to share. Help us to share our story, how you've moved in our life. Help us to share that unique story with the people you've given us influence over. God, help us to always run to you. To run to you on the mountaintops. To run to you in the deep valleys. Let us always be running to you, Lord. Knowing that you are always running towards us. God, right now, I just want to pray for those who would not call themselves Jesus followers. God, would you let them know just how much you love them, that your love is chasing them right now, that you desire to be with them, to be close with them. If that's you, you walked in here today and you wouldn't describe yourself as a Jesus follower, I want you to know that God is running 
after you. And nothing is going to stop him from pursuing you. And he would love for you to put your faith in Jesus. He's not going to force himself on you, but he is going to pursue you because he is filled with love and compassion to you. Not judgment, not condemnation, love. And his love will never stop chasing you. If you want to put your faith in Jesus today, would you just pray this out loud with me? Everybody in this room, we're going to pray this out loud with loud voices. No one's praying alone. Would you just repeat this after me? You want to put your faith in Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. I confess. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you were raised from the dead. I confess, Jesus is Lord. Take my life, my past, my present, my future. I am completely yours. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And all God's people said, amen.